UK Motor Talk at the British Motor Show 2023. We are stood not too far away from a Volkswagen Passat estate. So, as you probably guessed, we are at the British Motor Show, of all things uh, petrol-related. But actually, that's uh, just one of many, many, many cars on display. We're very close to the uh, the arena, which is about to get very loud, I think. But it's uh, it's getting warm, it's getting sweaty. It's not a bad day so far, is it? Any day we end up warm and sweaty has got to be a good day, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's different strokes, different folks. If you're two-stroke, four-stroke, I know. There's a bit of everything for everyone, isn't there? But we've come down to probably one of our favourite bits of these shows, where all the, the classic car clubs are and... You get to see some of the rest of mods and some of the tune stuff as well. There's a 1930s Chevy that's just buzzing around the uh, motorsport arena as we speak at the moment. There's an E46 and some quite interesting stuff here, isn't there? Yeah, there is just the the most random mix of cars. We've got Ferraris, Mercedes next to TVR, next to a classic Mini, next to a nearly new Chevy, next to I did some tarted up BMWs, some Lebanese food, There's everybody is catered for, but yeah, there's old school Fords, old school VWs, there's a new side of things, which is more, it seems to be just one dealer group that's representing all the new makes and models, isn't it, because they seem to represent everyone, so that's, uh, that's maybe slightly less interesting than the smoky burnout that's going on behind us. Right, let's go and see stuff. So we've just wandered inside and I'm just casually leaning on a Ferrari because I feel like you can. Well, stop leaning on it. This is uh, Rattarossa's Testarossa and it is, um, it's cool, isn't it? it you, do, you never expect to see one in the wild like this. It's, if you've not seen this, check out his, uh, his YouTube channel, Instagram, it's at, at Rattarossa. Um, what I particularly like about this is it's got the side strakes on the intake at the side in, in body colour. And the mirrors in body colour, and everything else is just in primer or bare metal. And the uh, the fuel filler caps in uh, well, sort of body colour with a bit of dirt and a bit of paintwork going, you know, but a few brush strokes on it. But I well, see, it's it's just odd to see a car like this, like this. But I think mechanically and underneath and whatever else, it's they're they're all okay, aren't they? He fixes them himself and he gets on with it. And there's occasionally a bit of Heath Robinson going on, but they they all work. They're all okay, aren't they? I think. I think the other thing to, to remember is that for, for a while, these things weren't all that expensive in terms of real, you know, they, they were expensive, but they weren't the sort of level, stratospheric levels of investment that they are now, are they? Yeah, I mean, for, for this, I don't know how, what, what value does it have as a standalone car, less than a tiny one, of course, but I think the fact it's Rattarossa's one probably adds to the value doesn't it but if you wanted to turn this into a show pony it would be a lot of work but it's not beyond the wit of man you'd send it off to the paint shop have it fully repainted you'd have it fully retrimmed and then I think you'd be about there you wouldn't need to do much more to it would you a bit a bit of a steam clean and that's about it yeah I mean it's the engine is is a work of art it's huge the engine is absolutely huge you wouldn't get it into anything other than a car of this size it's massive I've just been distracted. I just paused suddenly. I've just seen an XJ220. Let's go and have a look at that. Let's do that. Well, that was a very short walk, but we are by the Jaguar XJ220. And it's, I don't know, does it, does it kind of blend in with what it's parked next to of various, well, it's flanked, literally flanked by Lamborghinis, isn't it, to either side? But 
is quite pretty, this, isn't it? This, this I would say, is the most classically pretty out of all, uh, all five cars we're looking at now, just in terms of smoothness and design and whatever else. But it's got a, it's got a funny little moustache in the vinyl. They, they all do. These are the, the Gumball 3000 cars. Um, we understand driven um, from Edinburgh across Europe. And, yeah, what a section of cars to do it in. And not easy cars necessarily to do it in. SJ220, pair of Countaches, some amazing number plates, one with Blast, the other one that says Hard Up. I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. On the other side, a Lambo with a roof box. Not what you expect to see. And roof lights. Yeah, and some, uh, some night sun attachments. The sort you'd rather you'd probably more see on an off-road car beating about doing some green laning at night. And yeah, they're just sort of loosely bonded and velcroed on to, uh, to a couple of hundred thousand pounds worth of supercar. But I like the fact they're just being used, because why not indeed? If you can afford a car like that, well, use it. If it gets a few stone chips and a few bits and pieces along the way, well, you've probably got another car. You can probably afford to have it resprayed. So if you're that fussy about it, get it done afterwards. But why have these cars if you're not going to drive them yeah ppf them up why not I spotted uh, adam c's motor there in the background as well yeah this it's cool eh? what a, a a selection of cars i i have to i love the idea of doing a european road trip maybe maybe it's something we should plan for a, a few years time was fancy the spa the spa historic what do you reckon yeah, I'll do that. I'll go in the Caterham, you'll go in whatever Aston you've bought at the time, and off we go. Sell your missus SUV, buy an Aston, job done. Sounds like a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Let's go and do that now. Well, regular listeners to an alternative podcast will uh, will be very familiar with the Chody Shifter, something I am familiar with myself as well, being the owner of a Caterham 7. But from a Chody Shifter to Choda's Shifter. I'm not sure who Harry Choder is, but he's the uh, the proud owner of a rather, rather pretty Mark II Golf. Uh, left-hand drive, unusually, but it's got the most wonderful, shiny, billetedy, polishedy aluminium sequential shifter. Uh, stuck about a foot out of the uh, the transmission tunnel. Far from Chody. Very, very. The 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 prime opposite of a Chody shifter is Choder's shifter. If you want to check this thing out, Instagram handle is Harry underscore Choda, C-H-O-D-H-A. Sorry if we've mispronounced your name. We may well have done that. Borbets sticking out. Borbets. Borbets, indeed. And much uh, much carbon fibre on the inside. So he's got his uh, his little door struts uh, holding the door open. So I won't uh, won't stick my head in too far. But yeah, that, uh, that shifter is quite the work of art. Uh, what have we got? Some cup holders. Uh, which look like they cost a pretty penny to get hold of. Oh, it's a Synchro. Is it? It's a Synchro, so it's an all-wheel drive. Or a four-wheel drive, whichever you want to call it. G60 badge, very nice. Oh, hello. That's very nice. Fully detailed engine bay. And, well... Lots of a... Look at that air intake. Crazy. That is quite a thing. Obviously, I'm just trying to spot anything original left in here. Not a lot. It's all been flushed, it looks beautiful. It does. Ah, the uh, the headlight adjusters on the back of the headlights, those look original. Apart from that, I think everything has been done in here. It's all uh, painted, been, uh, been nicely restored. Got some paint going on top of the rocker cover there. It's just, this is wonderful, this is. Projector headlamps, I love it. I love it. These, um, 
Oh, here we go. We've got some actual stats. If we looked at oh, the uh, at the bit of paper at the front of the car, that would have probably given us a clue, wouldn't it? Just the uh, just the 525 brake horsepower. Crazy, absolutely crazy. 1991 Mark II Golf G60 Synchro. Uh, it is it is beautiful. Bit of bit of the specs then. So 1.8 turbo, 20 valve, AGE block, uh, bore to 1.9 and fully forged. Large port head with custom intake. Supertech valve train and B5 cat cams, hydraulic lifters, Bartik Harvey. It sounds just like a golf. It does sound just like a golf. It's my sort of golf. Well done, Harry. I do like this. But my eye has been caught by an Aston Martin Vanquish, yep. which I, I instantly think this car's going to be an economical car to do a road trip. And we were just talking about doing a road trip, and you did exactly that, but for a very important cause, didn't you? Absolutely, yes. I mean, we are doing the Driving Force tour down to um, Gibraltar next year. Last year we did 3,000 miles out to Budapest, raising money for SAFA. We raised £175,000 for SAFA last year. We say we're going to try and raise 120000 this year, but we'd really like to crack 200000 We're here to try and promote the, the rally, um, to get people involved, um, to take an active part in helping a wonderful cause that supports the families of veterans who are often ignored in military charities. It's a great event, great fun. There are special events along the way. Money can't buy stuff. I mean, the promotional event for this rally in 2024 was on the flight deck of the Queen Elizabeth. You cannot buy that experience. There will be special events on the way. The 2024 event, we're not told what they are because they're supposed to be surprises. <laughs> Last year, we had a, a military police escort across Hungary, from the Slovakian border through the centre of Budapest wow. to the Hungaro ring where we did some parade laps. You cannot buy that experience. It's fantastic. I was just going to say, it looked like you ended up on a, uh, on a racetrack at the end of it, and that's uh, quite a spectacular turnout of vehicles there, isn't yes. it? But it's the, uh, it's the variety that gets me on there. You've got everything from Impreza's to Elise's to what looks like some quite older and classic stuff towards the back of it. So it's, that's, that's a hell of a mix of cars, isn't it? And an aerial atom in there, do I spy? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, it's a, it's a hugely eclectic mix of cars from McLaren 750s down to Fiat 500s, 4x4s, standard family saloons. It's all about getting involved in a great team event to raise money for a great cause and have fun. I was going to say, it's a course I think that, that most people can get behind, but it seems like quite a good way of raising money as well, because rather than just shaking a bucket at somebody and saying put a few quid in, it's yep. you actually have a bit of fun with this. Well, you have a lot of fun with this by the looks of things, and you get the nice warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting yeah. as well. Yeah, we, we have a lot of fun. It, it is a driving challenge. It's quite a lot of miles in a relatively short space of time, so whilst it may appear to be a holiday, it's actually reasonably challenging six or seven hours a day driving across some very challenging roads fantastic views but yeah it's it is a driving challenge we have great fun along the way a great team spirit as I say you can see the the Hungarian military forces helping us out and it was fantastic having the police escort across Hungary <laughs> uh, so Safra is a, an armed forces charity which is of course very appropriate being so close as we are to Aldershot here at, here at Farnborough yeah. and makes a lot of sense and it's, it's raising money for something that is, is indeed very important. Yeah, I mean SAFA is not one of the most well-known military charities but they do a huge amount of work to support the families of veterans in an absolute multitude and variety of ways that quite often get missed 
people don't realise just how much strain it can put on the families of, of our service personnel and SAFA do a tremendous amount of work to help and support those families who may be in trouble. Your car, now we were chatting a little bit about the car itself and you say you use this pretty much every day? Yes, it, it lives outside, I've owned it for nine years, it's done 107,000 miles which is probably the second highest mileage on a Vanquish that I know of. I mean, I, I actually work with Vanquishes all the time and I know of one that's done more miles. It's very reliable, it's, it's a very rare one then that it's been converted to a manual stick shift and they only made four in this colour. So yeah, it's a fairly rare machine. It's perfect for doing cross-continental touring. It's relatively economical and it's ULES compliant. <laughs> Rel uh, relatively economical as well. How is this ULES compliant? It's, it's, I mean, the, the ULES winds me up. It's, you know, yes. I get it for, you know, let's, let's reduce emissions so we don't kill small children. Yep. But if you pay me £12.50 a day, drive whatever you want, you can kill small children. That's yeah. absolutely <laughs> fine. So the, yep. the whole thing is nuts anyway. But how is this compliant? It, ha I, I, it, it, has, no it has six catalytic converters because it was built to um, comply with the American emission rules. See, I, I wouldn't fancy the bill if all six failed at the same time, so... No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want that bill. Um, you really wouldn't. Fortunately, they're reasonably reliable. But, yeah, it does cruising across France and, and Germany. It'll do 26 to the gallon doing 100 miles an hour. 26 um, to the gallon? At 100 miles an hour? Yep. That's not bad, is it? You can live yep. with that. I it's, get less than that out of the Mini. Yeah. It, it's a fantastic Grand Tourer. It's really comfortable, very economical for what it is, which is a six litre V12 supercar. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a really rare and special thing. So I was looking through the window and I was, I thought I must speak to you about this because as you say, usually these things have an automatic box, which let's face it, isn't the best, is it? The auto box on these is, is, is pretty yeah. dire. A manual one, that's something special. Now, did you convert this or did you buy it converted? No, I bought it already converted because the conversion is quite expensive but I wanted to get away from some of the reliability issues that surround the automated manual that go with the car. Because I work with these on a day-to-day -day basis I know that the Vanquish does have a poor reputation which is quite ill-deserved in modern days because most of these problems can be resolved but we're, we're stuck with the stigma of um, Jeremy Clarkson trying to do a three-point turn on an Isle of Man jetty <laughs> and screaming about the gearbox. They are much better cars than that image portrays. Well, I think the Vanquish as well is, is genesis really for the new Aston Martin, Gaydon, yeah. VH platform, everything else that came with it. And I could, I could go on and on about this because this is a yes. personal, personal <laughs> passion of mine. Yeah. So when you look at these, these were the first, for, for, my, for my mind, my money, these are the first uh, of the cars that I thought, God, that thing's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously developed, you had the DB9 and, and the VA Vantage, of course. And uh, yeah, such a lovely thing. And to see one with a manual box, I think that must be a hoot to drive. That must make it a, a, you know, a different proposition entirely. Oh yeah, it, it, it is a completely different driving experience to the automated manual because you can use the, the full flexibility of that wonderful V12 engine. Yeah. It will pull full throttle from 500 RPM. I love it. I love it. Just looking around the car, is all the rest of it standard? I, I can't see anything too much apart from uh, some engraving on the uh, on the fuel cap going on there, which looks rather pretty. Yes, that fuel cap was a works service option, which I happened to find on eBay. So I, I, I bought it and put it on my car. 
Um, I've done one or two things to the car. It's got slightly different tyres. It's got spacers on the back. I've got a few more horsepower out of the engine. Aston Martin always underquoted the power for these anyway. So we had a, a very interesting rolling road session with eight of these cars all at once with the same driver on the same rolling road. The Vanquish S's that we had produced exactly what the factory said, 520 horsepower. All the standard cars produced at least 490 horsepower, which is 30 really more than the fa factory were claiming. And then I was sort of thinking, sort of stepping down to sort of the DB9s and such of, uh, of that sort of era, they were about 420, weren't they? Um, yeah, they were 420, 450, something like that. I've got a friend who's got a DB9 and I take him out in this quite regularly and he says, oh, I wish my car went like yours. <laughs> I see. Look, I'm curious now, what is it that you do with Vanquishes, say, regularly or daily, did you say? Yeah, I've been involved with Aston's for 20 odd years, but my day job was working for HSBC. When I retired, I bought a Vanquish because I'd wrote my race car off. Um, I used to race an Aston Martin and I wrote it off. Uh, so I spent my pension on buying the Vanquish. Good investment. Yeah, fantastic. Well, not so sure these days, but um, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Can't take it with you. And who needs somewhere to live? Um, so um, yeah, I, I started doing a lot of work on it myself, and it's turned into a more or less a seven-day-a-week business now. All I do is vanquishes, and people said I was mad, but there's plenty of work out there for me. And if you specialise on one model, you get to know it inside out. So do you want to give your give your business a plug to our listeners? Uh, yeah, my business is called v12vanquish.com. Um, does, does what it says on the tin, based locally in Guildford, but I travel all over the country. And we have a small, dedicated team of volunteers in the background who are doing an awful lot of work to keep these cars on the road at a sensible price. Well, I think you've just made a very worthwhile friend today, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just uh, more on the charity as well, if people want to know more about SSFA. SSFA, yeah. If you look on the website, it's a fantastic charity that does so much work for veterans' families. And if anybody wants to get involved in the rally, we still have places available. It's not a ludicrous amount of money to take part. It's £1,748 per head to take part. We ask you raise £1,500. It's a fantastic thing to do. So please get in touch. We'll uh, try and get you involved. And you've got basically full mechanical support here, as long as you come in a V12. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it. I take my diagnostic equipment with me. There's a few Astons that go. We also have the AA coming along with us as well. On a, on so it's, it's like the opposite of Top Gear then. It's not leave a man behind and no, you, no, no, you, you no. have a shed to drive home no, if you need. No, we're very much in the, the army philosophy. No man is left behind. Excellent. Excellent. So it's brilliant. Thanks so much for talking to us. No problem. Thank you very much indeed very for your much. time. Tesco's car park for a local car meet, McDonald's drive through and it's the 17 year old in their Vauxhall courses. Ah. You're putting up with this all weekend. <laughs> Hating every second of it from the smile on your face. No, they're, they're, they're good. we're in a good position here, apart from my, my chair's the wrong way round. <laughs> That's, more That's like it. better. Yeah, that works really well on audio only, but yes, it's, it's a better view for you now. Just to explain to you, I've got an armchair that drives, and so I've just turned it round 
so I can watch the main arena in the comfort of my reclining armchair. And I have to say, it's very comfortable. And it's certainly the only one here. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I actually built this armchair because I filmed with Sir David Jason. What a truly, truly lovely, lovely man. But because I knew he was getting older, he's 82, I wanted somewhere comfortable for him to sit whilst we were filming. So I built this quite quickly and it was all working. And so he, he was sat in here and he drove off down the road on it. He was just waving like this. He was. That's all you could see was his hand. My name's Kevin Nix. Uh, I'm probably best known for being the creator of the world's fastest shed, which um, I drive race events all over the country. I've got three Guinness World Records in it. I've driven over 80,000 miles in it. It's 450 horsepower, and it's incredibly comfortable to drive. It's an Audi engine in it? Yeah, Audi RS4 4.2 V8. Stage two tuned, it goes on the dyno. I can pass anything I want on the road apart from a petrol station. How did it end up with that engine? It had a, just something different in there originally. Yeah, originally at 2.8 Passat. Uh, sorry about the noise. Somebody's Big Mac's obviously just arrived. Yeah, originally 2.8 V6, and I was trying to get the shed over 100 miles an hour. So uh, I started, I pumped a load of nitrous through it, which for those of you who don't know, nitrous oxide is an oxygenator. So it basically gives you more power at the flick of a switch. All good Passat should have it. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was fascinating trying nitrous for the first time and learning about it. But eventually the old engine had had enough of that. So then I put 2.7 twin turbo in it and just spent a whole year keep mending it. So then I pulled all that out and put much later Audi RS4 running gear in it and hydraulic suspension, so it goes up and down. That, that has been amusing people that have been looking at it without knowing you're around with the remote control in your hand. Oh. <laughs> the looks on some people's faces. We haven't got time now, but I nearly caused a divorce <laughs> in a cafe. A man was looking out the window saying, that shed's going up and down. His wife looked round, so I stopped. So she said, oh, you're crazy. And then when she looked back around, I started doing it again. I was sat on the next table, and the remote control was on the table. It was so funny. Uh, but I won't tell you the whole story, but I doubt if they're married now. <laughs> but going, going back, ignoring that one, we'll move on. Why a shed? Where did that come from? Uh, so I had the car sat there that I was going to scrap, an old sat. It was too good to scrap. I think the fries are ready, aren't they? It's fair to say we've, we've timed this chat very well. There seem to be people racing, drifting cars and things around the arena and uh, there's quite a lot of white smoke to go with it. I've got to tell you the short story. <laughs> so I came up with the idea and I just built it. That is a very short story. And then a friend of mine was building a couple of hot rods actually at the time and I had car build envy. He'd got a money tree and I hadn't. <laughs> I'd got the car sat there. So I came up with the idea and I built it. Is this, is this a lockdown thing or no 2015 I started building it and then I ended up getting it properly approved for the road in 2016 beginning of 2016 it being approved for the road that sounds so easy when you put it like that but it's a shed yeah no essentially 
it's it's a car so I built it to 299 pages of rules plus a few others they decided to throw at me and then it has to go for an IVA test which for those that don't know an IVA test is like an MOT but it's all day where they check every little detail but because most of it or the basics of it were a car that didn't need looking at because that had already got type approval it was really only the modifications that I'd done modifications it is effectively a shed is it just wood is it based on something has it got a shell underneath it yeah so without giving away all the trade secrets uh, no yeah, yeah ba basically I took all the bits off the car I didn't need you know roof a post b post bonnet wings doors and then I built a whole steel frame around it so if you imagine a greenhouse with no glass in it but it's all made out of box section steel and then it's cross braced and braced you know in so many places so certainly a lot more structurally sound than a shed yeah you know people think it's made of wood the wood actually just covers the outside that's why i like using the greenhouse thing so people can picture it but of course you've got to take into account you know if it ever rolled is it strong enough you triangulate things to make them strong plus i've now driven over 80,000 miles in it and it's still fine and it sounds great i mean seeing it in the arena and just sort of that the pleasure in people's faces as they hear that engine kicking in it's just a lot faster than people think it's yes. going to be you know it's not sports car fast even though it's powerful but because it's so heavy it's two and a half tons and it's got no aerodynamics but that's the fun of it and then I never built it to do this, but I gave myself a challenge to get it over 100 miles an hour, which I have done many, many times now. As part of record attempts, not on the M1. Yeah, no, no, on on, on the road, I, you know, I don't have a halo, but I try I try and do everything sort of within the law. If the speed limit's 70, then I do 70. The reaction of other people must be uh, quite amusing. Does that distract you from your driving? <laughs> No, I've got cameras all round on it, so I've got these little tiny monitors all on my dash. So from sitting in the seat, I have got 360 degree view with no blind spots. And the actual vision out the front is very good because I've got no eight post right up close to my head. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's now three feet away from me. On motorways, I have to watch the people filming me. Yes. Sometimes drivers film me and it's up to them what they do but you get the odd one that will drift and I don't want to cause an accident so I just ease off so they go and then they'll put the phone down but you are constantly filmed but my reward is seeing people smile we're talking on Friday we've been here for best part of two days you haven't stopped the whole time have you what smiling well you smiling but people coming up and talking to you people looking even if we're even as we're standing here now People have been looking in, taking photos. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all its all very flattering, you know. If you sit in a traffic jam on a motorway, right, you hate it. If you sat in that, you can't help but be happy. <laughs> and I look round and people are all smiling. And sometimes if there's kids in a car, I'll start playing about with the hydraulics. So I sit there with the shed going up and down. But yeah, it's a great thing. It's not the only part of your collection here which is road legal though. I believe that the uh, wheelie bin is also uh, able to go out on the road. I've built a wheelie bin, a commercial wheelie bin like they'd have out the back of a restaurant. 
And they actually have scattered around the site here. People are mistaking it for a real bin. Just occasionally, but it's the only wheelie bin in the world that's taxed. What is the road tax on one of them? It's free. Ideal. I think it runs out this month, but just because it's road legal, I don't purposely ride it on the road every day. Um, actually, I haven't had time to have enough fun with that. So Again, what was the reason for, for building that? Is, is that speed? Is that bloody-mindedness? What is it? No, that one wasn't for speed, because I built quite a few things, and I just tried to do things differently. I could build every machine so it just goes fast, but why not build one that's slow, but it's taxed? I've got the world's longest mobility scooter. Yep, yep. So the Guinness World Record was 10 foot 2. I thought I could build one longer than that. So mine's 22 feet and 3 inches long. And only yesterday the Guinness people were here with their big long tape measure measuring it for you. They were and, and they adjudicated it and, and so I've got a Guinness World Record for that. To be fair, the big long tape measure wasn't actually big and long enough, was it? Oh no, it wasn't. <laughs> he had put his clipboard on and I had to hold then hold the end of the tape measure. So I had the editor-in-chief at one end, the adjudicator at the other, and then me holding the tape measure in the middle. But they're very nice people, the Guinness people. I've had a lot of fun with them. When you're building something specifically for a record, there must be rules that they set as to what they define as, say, a mobility scooter. Yes, they, they always give you criteria. So the mobility scooter, it has to be driven as a mobility scooter, so it's not fast. You actually have to drive it 100 metres on its own steam. You're not allowed to put your feet down. You're not allowed to put extra wheels in the middle. So basically, it is just a mobility scooter that is 22 foot long. It's like a stretched limo, isn't it, really? It's the limo with a stretch bit in the middle. Yeah, I've got a seat on the front, so I sit behind the tiller or handlebars, whatever you want to call it. So I drive it from the front. I have actually left the seat, the original seat on the back, which there was no criteria to do that. But that is legal to drive on the road because it's a mobility scooter. Selling mobility scooters is part of your real world. Yeah, yeah, I do have a mobility scooter business. I'm just an independent local business. I work from a private workshop and I go out to my customers. I sell secondhand scooters that are all serviced, ready to go. And again, that's very rewarding. I give people back something that's been taken away from them. But then it isn't just about their mobility, it's their mindset. Because people feel trapped in their flat or bungalow. And if they've got a mobility scooter, even if they don't use it all the time, they then can go out. Not knowing it's there. And yeah, because a lot of people suffer with, sadly suffer with depression. And you can't, it's hard to believe that, you know, a 500 pound mobility scooter can change their life, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Mobility scooter is what's based in the, in the, underneath the wheelie bin as well? Underneath the wheelie bin, yeah, that's mobility scooter. Then I've got the world's longest, that's mobility scooter. Then I've got a little tiny shed which is, it's kind of a replica of the big shed, but I built that on a mobility scooter, but it's got a face, a bit like Thomas the Tank Engine, where the windscreen is, is a pair of eyes, and then the, front, the front's got a big smiley face, and he's got a pair of hands on springs that bob up and down, 
So he's, and he's called Freddy the Sheddy. I've also got my own electronic system that I built so I can switch between them. And on mine, it goes four times the original speed. And when you hit the power button, it just gives all the power direct to the motor and it just wheelies. Great fun. And to complete the set, two more. The BMX next. So that was um, for a Guinness World Record. I built the fastest motorised BMX in the world, which that record now, somebody could easily beat that. But again, you have to meet the criteria. It has to look like a BMX. You're looking at it and it looks like a BMX. I'd say that was a BMX. With an engine, but it's BMX. <laughs> but then the organisation, Straightliners, that did the official timing, it also has to pass their very strict scrutineering before you can go on track. So that gets scrutineered the same as a motorbike that does 200 miles an hour. The sump plug's all wired. There's another drain plug underneath. That's all wired with lock wire. It's got chain guard on it, but it looks nice. Yeah, yeah. And I like the BMX. But again, it's been getting some great looks from people, presumably who've had BMXs over the years. Yeah, I haven't, because they came along after my era, because I'm old. <laughs> and then we come to the most mental machine that you have ever driven in your life. And I've got the Guinness record for the fastest motorised wheelbarrow in the world. The barrow of speed. Yeah, so it's a motorised wheelbarrow, but you can't really see the engine, can you? No, no it looks, looks as if someone's just wheeled it in out of the garden. Because I can't run this fast, I, I'm allowed to stand on a platform on the back, two wheels, which is attached with a, like a swan neck tow bar to the thing that pulls you along. Some would argue it has a hint of chariot about it. Well, yeah, but the machine, you just think you're going to die. <laughs> Once you get over 40 miles an hour, you just feel like you're going to crash all the time. You've never experienced anything like it, and I built it. But going slow, I don't know if you've seen me out in the ring on it. Yep, seen you out there yesterday. Make it look so easy. <laughs> but if anybody else has a go on it, they will drive it like a like a little old lady. <laughs> so, so what is the record? You said anything over 40 is a bit dodgy. Yeah, I hold the record at 48, 50 miles an hour, something like that. The fastest I've been on it is 54 miles an hour. Fast enough then. You try doing that, <laughs> you try doing that standing up. I'm out. <laughs> standing up and you're holding on to the handles of the thing that's pulling you along. It's proper insane, but I kind of like it. Amongst the other things, it is quirky. Everything is quirky, and I should think that people probably question what's going on in your brain sometimes. Well, in life, it's easy to do the same as everybody else. You know, your mates go out and buy a particular brand of car, then they lower it, then they put the same wheels on, you know, and it's becoming a very samey world. Well, actually, I'm going the opposite direction. But I have great fun doing it, and I do it, everything that you see here, that I've built, all of it, added together, costs less than what people, the average price people would pay for a second-hand car. And the fun I've had doing it. Worth every penny. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It certainly made people smile.
Tonight's going to be fun because I'm going back to the hotel on Freddy the Sheddy. <laughs> I had to walk 20 minutes last night and when oh. you've been standing up all day. <laughs> so because I walked back, I thought I can do this on Freddy the Sheddy and I'm going to drive into the posh hotel, watch the electric doors magically open and then I can turn left, go into the lift and Freddy can go up into the room. And get a recharge overnight. I hope I've got enough battery to get me there. <laughs> Where we are at the moment is at the Haynes Museum, but not at the Haynes Museum. That's right, yeah, we're of course at the British Motor Show. We're one of the official sponsors this year at the show. So we've decided to bring a couple of our cars here. Obviously in a couple of the 300 plus we have back at the museum, which is just off the 0303 near Yeovil. And we've been going since 1985. You certainly brought a, uh, an eye-catching, well I would say it's an eye-catching car, but it's sort of half an eye-catching car, isn't it? Where's, where's the other half of it gone? Yeah, this is a uh, Honda Type R cutaway that we've got here. And yeah, half the car has effectively just been split in half, so you can really see the detail behind it. And that's a lot of what the museum's all about. It's about telling people the stories behind the cars, but also getting to see a bit closer up and a bit more about the cars. This is the only one really we've got as a cutaway, but it looks a bit interesting and it's a bit different and really pleased to be able to show it off at the show here. And uh, if you particularly like the colour red, I seem to remember there is the room for you. Yeah, uh, Haynes Motor Museum is very famous for uh, its red room. I think there's just over 40 cars all dedicated to the colour red, basically. Weird and wonderful kind of old and new cars. I'd say it's our most famous, most popular room there. I'm so pleased you clarified what it is because you said there's a red room. It, it could have gone anywhere from there, and it really could have done. I, I went to a uh, to a show actually down uh, at Haynes in one of the. I can't remember if I went in in the. I think I might have gone in my Onion in the Orion years, which is red, but not to go in the red room. Just want to clarify this. Uh, or it might have been the Mini. I'm not can't remember which. But you have car clubs and shows and stuff down there as well, don't you? Yeah. So on the first Sunday of every month, we hold what is called our Breakfast Club. It's a big car meet. We welcome everybody of all different types of cars uh, and each month we have a theme and it's huge it's, it's massive and you see like all sorts of different types of cars from minis to mustangs from mgs to lamborghinis it's anything and everything and it's a great opportunity for like-minded enthusiasts to meet over a coffee and bacon bat basically just uh, looking at your poster there as well it looks like it's not just for the uh, car enthusiast it looks like you've got stuff for all ages for the whole family lots of things to uh, to see and do yeah very much so cars aren't everybody's cup of tea but we try to encourage people book uh, that aren't necessarily into cars because it's the stories around the cars the social history there's trails and activities for kids and families to do you see on the poster there if you're really small you can drive around in a little tight car around the museum which smaller kids uh, particularly love. See, I, I reckon I could squeeze you into one of those and then I could push you around the museum. What do you reckon? I, I, yeah, I'm not tall. I, I can fit We'd in pretty much every every car. Maybe not a little tight car. You'd have to cut you out, I feel, uh, in the nicest possible way. I genuinely thought you could say I'm going to have to cut you down. <laughs> just to make you fit. Well, maybe that too, if we, uh, if you really do push it. It's, it's a good possibility. I think this, I've, I've just been well and truly stuck in there. I think if I could stick my legs through the bottom, I could run around the museum inside the car, perhaps. But what's the quickest someone's ever been thrown out of the museum? That's what we're probably about to find out, I think, really. I, I have to speak to you because you have the, the world's most amazing smile. You're really absolutely beaming. 
favourite car? In the museum? In the museum. Oh, I quite like the little Austin A35s, that kind of thing. The cute ones. I like Morris Miners as well. We've got loads and loads of American cars, so some of those are really, really nice as well. It's difficult to choose just one. So, that's the sort of like the Wallace and Gromit style. The Gromit car, yes. Wallace yeah. and Gromit car, you? Uh, I'm probably just going to follow the what everybody says because it's true. I do love the Lamborghini Countach that we've got in the museum. It's beautiful, um, it, it, the, with the exception of its wing mirrors, which just seem as though they were a last-minute addition. The rest of the car looks beautiful. The ones that have sort of like the uh, the springy ho uh, Hoover hose. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, I, I think if you could do without them, you, yeah, maybe would have been a bit better off. I think DeLorean for me. Uh, yeah, I think well, they're, they're all on the poster there, aren't they? So I think it's, uh, it's definitely whetted my appetite. I think we'll have to uh, we'll have to make a trip up there at some point, won't we? Yeah, it's, it's not far if you're sort of heading towards Stonehenge, really, isn't it? To be yeah, there's probably about maybe half an hour on the A303, maybe not even that. Um, I should also point out, because uh, our workshop uh, manager will kill me, we have our very own um, workshop. It's called Haynes Heritage Engineering, and they do anything from METs to servicing, but they also restore cars. So we have a dedicated paint shop, body fabrication workshop, and also mechanical workshop as well. So anybody who has classic cars, and we get a lot of them, passing by, can have them restored or do whatever to them. So, so if people want to find out more and look you up, you're on the, uh, on the internet, I presume? Yeah, HanesMuseum.org. And uh, I'll, I'll be popping down to be cut out of a little tight's car at some point and presumably have my car resprayed then. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you both. Thank you very much. My name's Rob Hadrill and I work for Sherwin Williams Automotive UK. We're standing next to a 1965 Fastback Mustang with a few little tweaks. So the car is like a, an iconic classic but will drive like a modern day Mercedes AMG. You say a few little tweaks, that's that's underplaying it somewhat. As we walk past, we're like, hang on, there's a lot happened to that. But then we both just stopped and at the same time said, what a paintwork job that is. The the colour on it is is phenomenal. Tell us about the colour. Yeah, so the, the colour was designed by myself, being part of the colourist team. We got in communication with Tim Shaw from Car SOS. I came in and designed some colours for him. He chose one that I designed and then that's where it all started from really and obviously the stripes have been painted as well it's all hand painted it's a, obviously a bespoke colour so it's unique there's only one formulation in the world and it's assigned to this car and certificated by Sherwin-Williams globally so nobody else on the planet can actually have this colour it's, it's unique to the car Does it have a name the colour? Uh, no, the, the car has a name it's called the Sherwin-Williams Mustang um, but as I say the, the documentation with the colour is kept in a vault. Tim has access to that, obviously, and the guys involved in painting it, i.e. myself, and my global colourist, who's based in Lelystad in, in Holland. Where just, just, uh, just walking around the car, the, the modifications, the more and more you look at it, the more and more you can see. So there's what's, what's been done to the car, both externally, and, and there's quite a bit going on under the, under the skin as well, isn't there? For sure, yeah. So it's basically a brand new build from floor up, it's uh, had a new chassis sent over from the States, it's a Mustang chassis, all the panels are new panels. The only panel that is original is the, the roof because that was very, very rare to find. So we managed to save that. Everything is literally brand, brand spanking new. And it, like all the best modified cars, it takes a while to try and figure out what's been done. Yes. So you walk past it, it was the paint job that drew us in originally, because like, that's, that's perfect. 
And as we were going around, you say, you know, the, you could see there was different bits of the back. I'm looking at the rear windows. It's got bonded rear windows, no no seals or anything else. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's unusual in itself, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, but it, it, it looks completely factory. You'd never know. Correct. Yeah. So say as you said about the the, the, bonded, the bonded screens, rather than having the trims, um, it's got electric windows. As I said, it drives like a, a modern day car. It's got ABS, traction control, power steering. So you can drive it as a normal modern day car. But then again, if you want to have some fun, you flick a couple of switches on the dashboard and then you're driving an animal. Uh, inboard dampers, you said? Yeah, inboard dampers in the back, stiffened suspension on the front. I mean, would you like to look at the engine? Oh, definitely want to have a look at the engine. So I'm just going to wander through from the back to the front. So. The fuel filler, which is normally in the back, has been mounted into the rear, uh, into the rear windows, which is amazing. Interior trim is immaculate, beautiful. Scoop on the hood. Let's have a look. There you go, guys. Oh, look at this. 5.7 V8 Elderbrock lamp, the supercharger on the top. I'm led to believe by the, uh, the mechanical guys that if you turn everything off, you're looking at about three seconds, 60 mile an hour. Man. I mean, what, what grabs me is the attention to detail and, and the efficiency of everything. There's nothing there you don't need. Anything that you do need is, is, is perfect. That's, that's, that's the only way to describe this engine bay is perfection. With the car's even got, it's fully air-con as well, air-conditioning. Amazing. All the, all the pipes run underneath the um, front wings, back into the thing. So, it's, as I say, air-conditioning, sat-nav if you want it. Another little tweak on it is the, the dashboard. The iconic 60s dashboard was the, the needle that went up yeah, and yeah. down. So there's a button you can push, which will turn the dashboard into a modern day digital display. Or you flick another button, it will go back to the retro. Oh, I love that. So it's really, so, it's really hard to try and make an engine bay look simple and clean. Yeah. So this has been flushed, the wiring is all tucked out the way, you can't see any of it. Exactly. And everything runs through the wings, which is, Perfect. Yeah. Wings are bolt on, bolt off. Yep. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's still a few little pipes to go on, you know, for the cooling and stuff, because obviously, fortunately, the show didn't want us to have any fuel, any liquids in the car. Um, but once the mechanics get on it for half a day, she's up and running again, and someone can have some fun. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's everything is polished, anodized. It's all, all the it's a beauty. Well, the underneath the car is exactly what you see on, on the outside of the car. There's not even a speck of dust under there. Well, it's interesting, you look at this, the, the lump is mounted quite far back as well. So if you look at the, the line of the front axle and the steering is, it's behind the front axle, which is obviously helping your distribution. Yeah. yeah. So what sort of power is this running, sorry? Uh, I think it's just close to 500 brake horsepower. Oh when, when it's been tweaked up and tuned, they're looking at 500. They want, well, they want 500 brake out of it. That's mad. But uh, I wouldn't want to be driving it at 500 brake. Most importantly, is it ULES compliant? Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but ask the, mayor, ask the mayor of London. I don't care should be the correct answer because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. Exactly, you know. But what I like about it, it's it's that iconic classic 65 shape, but with all the mod cons as a modern day car to drive. So you could drive it daily and be very comfortable, or by a flick of a few buttons, you can have a lot of lot of fun. I'm not sure I'd want to drive it every day as I have to go to the supermarket every now and again. You'd need somebody to stand next to it to guard it if you left it in Tesco car park, I think. So it's, it's going to be showcased around the world through Sherwin Williams Automotive and Tim, wherever you decide to take it. There has been some rumours of SEMA next year, Auto Mechanica. Yeah. They want to put it at Dubai International Airport. 
in a glass box at Arrivals just to showcase it, you know, for the world to see and take it from there, really. So there we have a million pound Mustang. It is worth every penny. It's beautiful. I'm going to have a, a little sneaky look at this interior, I reckon, whilst we're here as well. Fantastic. Oh, it's beautiful. So, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, guys. You know, it's, it's a pleasure to show it. I'm quite passionate about it because, you know, I've painted it, yes. But I've painted many cars in my time. To me, it's another car I've painted, but for so many people to look at it and go, wow, you know, for the whole build, not just the colour, yeah. not just the paint, the end, from the engine to the interior, you know, it's it's a, it's a showstopper. Don't fancy coming and paint my engine, baby. I've got the engine. Cheers and thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you very much. That guy can definitely steer it. Here we are, right. We are watching, well, a lot of skidding. Farnborough District Motor Club down at the arena. And there's a, a faker room going around. It's, yeah, I think we basically decided that we're watching our local multi-storey car park in our grand's car on a Saturday night kind of thing, isn't it? We've seen a, uh, a K11 Micra buzzing around, but we've seen a Mini like yours buzzing around. And uh, there's a, a homebrew Caterham 7 buzzing around at the moment. But yeah, it's just a, a series of cones in a small bit of, uh, bit of tarmac. And they're, uh, they seem to be having great fun at it, don't they? But it's, uh, it's not, not quite a Caterham 7. I think it's a Sierra underneath, isn't it? It looks like Sierra Bits, yes. I think a Fakerum would be... A, a Fakerum, yes. But he's, uh, well, to be fair, it looks like it's providing all the, uh, all the thrills and spills that it should do. But this, this is just organised car park hooning, isn't it? But, yeah, the, uh, the Farnborough District Motor Club, there's, there's uh, Mark II Escorts, there's a, uh, there's a Fiat, which I think Dave will be rather fond of, Maybe not uh, not quite so fond of the way it's being abused as it goes round. A uh, you know a, what looks like an Enterprise rent-a-car special being hooned around. There's there's quite a mix, isn't there? An MX-5s as well. Yeah, let's say a, a, a bit of absolutely everything, really. Um, some some stuff that I really wouldn't want to be wanging through cones just for fear of scratching. There's a Mark II with tarmac arches, Mark II Escort that is. A Panda, a Micra. But as you say, it's sort of like a, a legalised hoon, isn't it really? A Jim Carner sort of affair. Cars that your gran had or your mum had, or I mean there's a, uh, there's a Mazda MX-5, like what my mother-in-law used to have. And, uh, oh, we've had a spin. He has. We've had a spin and a stall. We have. Oh, what's happening? Oh, has he killed it? Oh, bonnet's coming up. Yeah. So, anyway, Mark II Escort has come out. Sounds like it's got a straight cut box. Uh, and just with a massive spin, and it seems to have stopped. But hey, he's uh, he's switched off. Fingers crossed, all okay. But yeah, fully behind the cage room. I love the idea of that. Just say, people come out here in whatever they want to drive and just, just thoroughly enjoying it. Why not? I'm stood next to what looks to be a classic Morris van, but it isn't, is it? It's not a classic, no. Some people say, when was it built or how old is it? Actually, it's a brand new carbon fibre, recycled carbon fibre body, aluminium chassis, but based very much on the 1948 Morris J-Type. So all the style of that, the iconic style, but brand new. 
it, it's pretty incredible this thing and you wouldn't know to look at it that it is it is brand new it instantly you think this would be a perfect perfect vehicle for anyone that wants to promote any kind of boutique business or anyone wants a, a retro look whereas it's not a homogenous blob it is quite special looking this thing isn't it i should probably say who it is that i'm speaking to as well so i'll, I'll get you to to tell us a little bit about yourself my name is John Killick. I've been with the company a couple of years now. I actually thought I'd retired. I've been in the motor industry all my life, Jaguar and Bentley, and we're almost making this like the Bentley of the van world, actually, as well. We think vans should be more fun, they should look interesting, and they should be comfortable and stand out. As you say, really, this is perfect for a business, branded on the side. It's a marketing tool as much as it is a, a, a valuable van, because it does carry a 1,000 kilograms which is 60% more than the ID Buzz, if I can mention the competition, and it has more space than the ID Buzz because we've started ground up with this as well. So new chassis, new body, so it is a whole new ground up vehicle, and it's going down fantastically in the marketplace. We should be producing them next year. So this is our second prototype that you can see here. We had a blue and cream one, which is a salmon pink and cream, and we've got another two more coming out fairly soon prototypes but there's more testing to do and certification to do so lots going on and massive interest what's the drive train so what's underneath it yeah I, I, it, it's only front wheel drive and it's an existing well-known motor but we're not really saying what that is but but uk or european produced motor and uk produced battery modules and suspension is also from a well-known uk organization so we're putting together proven components on the platform and then the, uh, the new technology is really in the body and the style of that. Which, let's face it, with the development costs of, well, big manufacturers have been doing it for years with internal combustion, yeah. it's even more important these days with EVs, but really what's underneath the skin, they're all going to ride, they're all going to handle, they're all going to stop, they're all going to go, so the bit that makes it interesting is the bit that's on top, really, and it has to be said that looks a lot more interesting than any big major well-known manufacturer has managed to come up with so i think for that reason alone it's it's got to be a winner surely so many electric vans are really adaptions still in the marketplace you know you have to walk around to see it's got no exhaust pipe so it must be electric they, they just look the same and they're often white so we think vans should be more fun as i say and you know like a two-tone something that stands out you can brand it with your company on the side be it harrods or selfridges or Bob the Butcher or the Builder or whatever, it, it's a marketing tool as well as a very capable van. And this one looks to be set up like a camper, is that right? Yes, that's come about really because so many people at shows say, are you doing a camper version? And we don't know a lot about campers, but we've done this, this is a, a sort of a, a, a discussion point, really. And then it works well at the, at the back, you may have seen there's a thing called a slide pod which comes out with a little kitchen and all that sort of thing. But we don't really intend to market that ourselves, but we've had people approach us, want to convert and that sort of thing. So we are focusing on, on the van itself, which we've got to get out in the marketplace. And there will be other people picking it up as, as campers and things like that. But it could be a great day van and massive interest in that as well. well with a, a load capacity of a tonne, it is a real proposition as a, as a proper working vehicle. I mean, yeah. Personally, I, I think it looks great. I would like it in a traditional Morris Green. You know, I think it'd be yeah, quite well, interesting. I think if you could, you could do a green and cream. I think it'd be quite cool. 
the blue does look fantastic though. Salmon pink maybe not my, my not my shade. The blue does really suit this. I think there's there's so many things you could do with it. If you had a company that sold really sort of high-end posh ice cream or something, it'd be quite cool. It'd be quite good fun. It's just it it's it's the kind of vehicle that brings a smile to your face rather than being too serious, but you could use as a real proposition. I've been lucky with lots of wonderful cars I've driven in, in, in my professional life and I, I'm certain that this, when I take this to a, a village, we, we work just on the edge of the Cotswolds for example, you go into Broadway which is a nice town if any of you guys know that, or village, lovely Cotswold village, you park that, get out of it and I've gone there with journalists and go and sit on a park bench there and I say just, just watch now for a moment and see what happens and people swarm around it doing selfies and all this kind of thing and it, it just attracts smiles and people more so than all the wonderful cars I've driven, you know, if you park a Bentley there or a Ferrari there, people say, okay, they just walk past a nice car. This one attracts attention and people go and look at it and touch it. We had a lady came to see us from a supplier and she was caressing it and she was trying <laughs> to hug it. And she said, I just love this car. I just love it. And as you say, cars for, for us, you know, we, we get cars, we're petrol heads. Yeah. It's how cars make us feel. You normally say a van, oh well a van's a van, but you look at this and it's the sort of van that makes me smile. But actually I could see it suiting an inner city or the California highway or like you say a quaint English countryside town or whatever. It just seems to, to have that mix of, I don't know, it's hard to put my finger on it, it's that mix of sort of 50s futuristic classic but then there's there's bits of a of a bus in there but it's just i don't know it's just it's spot on it's it's just, you've you've nailed it you really have i particularly like the way the rear doors sort of come round and sort of slide around oh, the side oh that's become a bit of a trademark actually that there's a one of our guys called tony actually who i i mentioned on previous videos and and Tony is very, very clever. He's come up with that idea for the doors. So the door doesn't swing in the wind. You need yeah. less space as well, less footprint. You know, if you back into somewhere, you don't need to open to have that space of three foot behind you to open the doors. So it's a very clever design. And it's kind of a slider and two pivots. And it allows the door to come around the side without the big swinging around. I guess that means you can get proper access then to the, to the load area. And it's, it's a good mm. size, this. I mean, if you think... Yeah. Lengthwise, it doesn't look much longer than something like a, a long transit connect, and overall size-wise, smaller than than a transit, I guess, because that's that's de facto yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. But how big is it? Load area in the back. The cubic capacity is six meters cubed, which again is sixty percent more than it's massive. Our, our, our VW competitor, you yeah. might say as well. And somehow, I think the high roof and that high curved roof that came with the old J type which in his day was actually called the Big Little Van, and we've adopted that style, which is very much those proportions. So we're lucky in inverted commas that we followed what was a, a fantastic design originally back in the 40s and 50s. And I guess one thing that probably lends itself actually to being an EV, as opposed to being a traditional ICE vehicle, is I remember my granddad saying to me that when he worked on the railway, he used to drive a Morris van okay. that had the engine in board, I think. Yes. And he said it used to get ridiculously hot in the summer. And of course, being EV, you don't have that issue, do you? You have all the advantage of having a flat front, yeah. so you've got all the space inside the vehicle, but not having to worry about packaging a hot yeah. engine inside. Yeah, that, that, that's a very good observation. And we have said that before, that actually the Morris J-Type does lend itself very well to being turned into an EV because you, 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 know, you don't need a bonnet. I do look at some of our other cars that have come out 
and they've got these enormous intakes at the front for an EV. What, what's going on there? You know, you don't, you don't need all that. As you observe here, this lends itself, this lends itself perfectly to a, this forward control style, they used to call it, lends itself to an EV very well. Yeah. We have two of the old J-types ourselves, actually, and, and like you say, the, the engine sits in alongside you and the passenger seat is way back behind the engine. And so that very much drove this style. Good for keeping your lunch warm, but not maybe so much for driving anywhere in the summer. Well, I, I, I joke that on those, actually, I can change the, uh, the spark plugs at the traffic lights because they are next to you. You just open up the engine bay and that's all going on there. And EVs are, as you know, very simple as well. And the packaging is simpler as well. And the motors, you know, are, are much easier to package. So if you were going to order one of these today, when would we, we see them on the road? It, it will be 12 months still. Thousands of people have expressed interest, which is fantastic. We're going to fairly soon, before the end of this year, go to the UK people who've expressed interest and say to them, we're now going to open up a deposit scheme, which will be a, a fairly small amount of money, refundable. We'll be then starting to actually get a schedule for next year. And if people do want to put their names down for one, where would they need to go for that? Well, they go to our website, which is morris-commercial.com. Lots of people have been there all around the world. I say we've got over 5,000 expressions of interest, actually, around the world, of which about 40% UK, and we want to concentrate on right-hand drive first. So we'll go to those people, say you've got a couple of weeks to turn that into a deposit, and then we'll open it up to wider people. I, I don't think sales will be a problem at all. We've just got to finish off the engineering and validation of the vehicle. I think, yeah, I think you're quite right. Sales, I, I don't think you'll have an issue with that. It's, it's always tricky on a uh, on a podcast. You're listening to a, a couple of three people rabbit on about how something looks, which is always tricky. Go to the website, go and have a look at this thing because it is well worth a look at. It, it definitely is, and it deserves to do so well because it is. It's like nothing else out there, it really, isn't you know. It, it, I really hope it, it does well for you. Thank you very much indeed. We do have people approaching us at shows saying this is the best vehicle at this show and we've had that today as well. Despite all this wonderful machinery I can see around the background here, people do love the Morris JE. I'm Andy Entwistle, I'm Chief Exec of the British Motor Show and we've had a lovely time here. End of day two, how's it gone? It's been all right. It started a little damp, yes. <laughs> um, but it dried up pretty quickly. But it certainly hasn't dampened the spirits, so we've had a really good day. Uh, everything happened exactly as it should. And, of course, we've got three huge halls. So in the morning when it was a bit wet, everyone was inside, and now the sun's out, everyone's outside. And this is the third running of the event. How do you make it different each year? How, how does that go? That's the biggest challenge, is to make sure that if someone comes along one, two, three years, they enjoy it, but they come back next year and it's a bit different. So this year, if you look at the front here, we've got an awful lot more content here. We've got more manufacturers that we've never had before. We've got a new tent over there that's got some great stuff in it. We've got some new stuff in the arenas as well. It's just, it's taking the formula, but delivering it in a slightly different way so that we keep it fresh. Because it's happened before, people are wanting to be involved. You're not having to convince them in quite the same way. It's certainly been an awful lot easier. You're when you, the, the first idea it's more of a, this is our concept, we're bringing the motor show back in a different way. People go, we like it, let's see how it works. This time, people have seen it twice now, they're knocking on our doors, and again, we've had more people come along now and say, we really want to be part of this, and we're stood in front of the Ineos Grenadier stand. First time they've been with us, great stand, 
brilliant vehicle. And yeah, so we've got more brands, they get what we're doing. And people coming through the door, presumably that's the, the other hurdle that you have to take. Are people wanting to come to these things? Is it easy, is what I'm really asking. <laughs> it's, it's never easy, but, it's, well, but I think no, the answer is yeah, people do want this, but what people don't want, it, and, and this is what we're doing differently, is they don't want a hole full of static cars that they can walk around, because you do that in a couple of hours. Let's be honest, you can sit on the internet. So what we bring is a more dynamic approach. The cars in there you can actually get into, you can press the buttons. We've done more test drives today than ever before. So people want to be entertained. So what we've done is we've given them entertainment and education. So yeah, people love this as an event. And the manufacturers presumably do as well. Well, they all seem to be smiling at the moment. I know that one of the manufacturers over here said they've never done this many test drives in a day before. So that's music to my ears yeah. because without the manufacturers, it's much harder to put on a show. So as long as they are selling cars, as long as they're taking leads, doing test drives, everyone's really happy. I know that these guys, BYD, so that's the first time we've had them with us. We got the launch of the SEAL and it's actually an amazing, I was really impressed with that. <laughs> so yeah, these, these guys are really happy, which means we're really happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the industry bodies, I noticed uh, Mike Kors coming in yesterday morning. Yeah. I mean, I'm presuming that these people are backing you as much as they can. We've been working with all the industry bodies, um, particularly the IMI, they're a big partner of ours and Steve's been here all weekend and that's a really important part of the tech and promoting the industry. Mike was here yesterday, it was great to see Mike and we've got Sue from the NFDA as well. Um, it's really important because we want to give back and we've got the careers fair. So working with the bodies is really important and they are now starting to get what we're doing, they're starting to get behind us and realise that we're just trying to promote the industry as much as anybody. And I know that Mike and Jim, my colleagues, were here yesterday morning at a dealer-related meeting as well. So there are obviously other things that are being able to be sort of stuck on the side of this as a gathering. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the show's a consumer show, but ultimately we're trying to promote the British motor industry and, you know, not... Everyone thinks, oh, is that just British cars? No, it's, it's the motor industry. So yesterday... We've got to buy them, haven't we? We have. Yeah. And, and yesterday morning, we had a networking breakfast where the great and the good for the industry came along. We awarded a few prizes and, and a few awards to people and just brought everyone together to give them somewhere to gather. And that's what we want this, as well as great time for consumers. Let's get the industry here. Let's give them a really good day. Come along, meet with your colleagues, have some fun as well. Yeah. It's, it's a focus for them as well. It, it, if it is an annual event, which obviously is becoming, yeah. then that is what we can look forward to next year, presumably. Absolutely. And we've got plenty of meeting rooms. We had a fantastic couple of meetings for big dealer groups here. We've had a load of the execs come down to see us. And I'm really pleased about that because they come here, they see what we're doing. And next year they want to get behind us. So hopefully even more of the same. And, and a lot of the people we've spoken to, obviously the enthusiasts, but the car clubs, people are wanting to show off their own vehicles, not just the cars they're selling. No, and, and, and that's where we really differ from the old style of show. We've had more car clubs this year than ever before, so more classic cars. And what's nice is because we don't particularly go after car fans, we go after families and just your normal people. And therefore, these car clubs, they've got a whole new audience. People who've never seen a Hillman before what is that car and as you said car fans these owners they love talking about their cars so they spend four days talking about their cars that's their pride and joy they love it and they're not selling anything at the end of the day they're necessarily no, absolutely and i think that's what the public get involved because because they're not trying to buy anything so they'll, they'll happily chat away to them so it's a really nice atmosphere that people just like to talk and show off their cars and and tell people about what they've replaced and what they've done and the stories because you know but it's like most of these cars have got a really interesting backstory. So it's, a, it's nice for visitors and it's nice for the owners. So looking forward to next year then, which I know you probably don't want to hear at the end of only two days of this. 
Same place, same kind of style? Absolutely. We're definitely back here. So we're here for five years. So we're definitely back here. This is definitely the home of the British Motor Show. The blueprint is set. We just take it bigger again. So we will have more indoor space. We'll have different things happening in the arenas. We'll have more car clubs. We'll make sure that if you turn up next year, you'll have as much fun as you did this year, but it'll be different enough that you won't walk out and go, oh, it's the same as last year. And that's my challenge now for the next 12 months. So here we are, once again, at the end of a day at the British Motor Show. Well, it's been quite a, well, actually, it's been a long day here, but for a good few hours this morning, we actually had to do some of the proper work for our day job, didn't we? So it's been action-packed, hasn't it? I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yes, me, me too. It's been a cracking day, and, and as always, we've had a chance to get out and, and wander around and look at some of the the less new stuff. We're fortunate that we get the opportunity to look at some new stuff quite a lot, don't we, really? We get to drive some really exciting and interesting cars, and hopefully... Uh, you'll get to hear about some more of those soon once we've gone and done our SMMT test day down in Hampshire next month. But what we really like to do is go out there and see people like us, like well, like you and like us, that are interested in cars and want to talk about cars. And it's not always the stuff that's really exotic. It's just stuff that we find interesting. We we hope that you do too. Yeah, it's, I think for the British Motor Show and what would traditionally be a big manufacturer stand only, display only, very slick, very polished. I like this place because it's got a real club atmosphere, a real community atmosphere about it, hasn't it? Where you can, as you say, just chat to fellow motoring enthusiasts and as long as uh, Sting doesn't sue us for copyright on the song you can hear in the background, then we've had a great day. Yes, I mean, that would definitely ruin any kind of day when you get done for copyright uh, infringement. Please don't sue us, Sting. Please, yeah. Sting, we know you love your cars too. Does he love his cars? Uh, I don't know, but I love his music. Sting, you're awesome. Don't yeah. sue us. Yes, you're, you're awesome. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that would be bad news. But it has been a fantastic day. So thanks, as always, to the British Motor Show for having us. Uh, we have enjoyed ourselves immensely. And don't forget to find us on our socials at UK Motor Talk everywhere. So thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. No, we won't see you next time. We'll speak to you next time. Bye for now. Bye. UK Motor Talk at the British Motor Show 2023 was a first take media production.